From Women's Health Australia, this is Uninterrupted. I'm Editor-in-Chief Lisa Gebilagan. AFLW star Sabrina Frederick gives it her all both on and off the field. Whether she's representing her Collingwood Magpies family, boxing, running and doing Pilates in the off-season, or looking after her mental well-being, the powerhouse forward is all about living unapologetically and on her own terms. Her most exciting chapter yet? New parenthood, as she prepares to welcome a new addition to the family later this year. In this episode, recorded in early March, Sabrina sits down with our commissioning editor, Alex Davies, to talk morning rituals, workout recovery, her footy journey, the power of representation, and how ditching your comfort zone can change your life. Well, for those listening, we're just saying it's 9pm for Sabrina, um, her recording just now. And um, I was wondering, I was thinking, obviously, it's late for you now, but I actually would love to start by asking you about your mornings, because I always think that's really interesting to find out what people get up to. And what do they usually look like? Any kind of rituals or routines that help to set you up for the day, I guess? Yeah, well, I'm an early riser, um, a lot earlier than most. I'm normally up between 4.30 and 5. Yeah, I I like to get a morning workout in pretty early. That's normally the first thing that I'll do. Um, So about 45 to an hour um, sweat session just for the fun of it. And then normally have breakfast, coffee, read for half an hour, and then I'll start my day. But that's um, that's normally what it looks like. And then depending on the weather, um, I have two dogs that – they're very particular when they go out for walks. So if it's good weather, they'll I'll take them out. And if it's not, then no, because they, they hate it. <laughs> I love that your dogs are the ones that are particular rather than you guys. They're the fussy ones. <laughs> no, they're, they're honestly the most precious dogs. They hate outside. <laughs> and you mentioned about reading in the morning. I just wanted to pick up on that actually because that's really interesting because I think sometimes our mornings can be so rushed and we just go, go, go and, you know, switch on the laptop, roll out of bed, you know, get going kind of thing. Yeah, well, I guess that's that's the main reason why I do it because I am so go, go, go all the time. And for me, that morning structure of getting up, doing a sweat session and then reading in that period of time, I don't check my phone or anything. So in that normally hour to hour and a half of the first part of the day, um, that's purely for me. And reading so, like you're so present when you're reading. Um, and I never I never used to be a reader. Um, growing up, I, I have dyslexia. So growing up, I really struggled reading. And then I realised that it's a, like everything else, it takes practice. <laughs> um, and I guess also being passionate. You know, if I'm passionate about something, then I'm obviously going to get better at it and um, picking up the right book. But for me... It's normally not, I wouldn't say self-help books, but normally books on things that I'm learning. Um, I wouldn't normally read a novel first thing in the morning. Like I'll read that later on the day, but for for the first thing in the morning is normally something that's sort of getting my mind thinking and um, I'm learning something. What's on your bedside table or bookshelf at the moment? Lots at the moment. Um, I had a birthday. I had a I had a birthday in November, and everyone bought me books. So I have so many just waiting to be read. Um, but I just read um, Untamed by Glennon Doyle, and honestly, it is. I've got to say that one of the best books I've ever read. I love it so so much. And I just finished that a couple of weeks ago. 
So you're into your, I think, sixth year of the AFLW now, and you've essentially been part of it since day one, really. And But I'd love to know, looking back, I guess, even before then, about your first experiences of footy. Like, what was that kind of time? What were your first memories, you know, of the game, I guess? It was mental, really, because I didn't really know what the sport is, uh, like, was. So, like, when I – because I moved – from the UK to Australia when I was seven and starting out in a new school, it was for me anyway, I've always, I was always so hands-on and into sports. So when I was trying to make friends, it sort of, for me, it clicked to sort of, oh, let's just get involved in whatever sport was happening. And at that school, AFL was really, really big um, at recess and lunch. That's what the kids did. So my initial thought was, I thought it was rugby because I had no idea that this sport even was a thing. I sort of just had the approach of, you know, fake it till you make it. I'm from the UK too. And I was exactly the same when I lived in Australia. And my partner is Australian. And he was like, right, Al, we've got AFL, we've got rugby league, rugby union, all that. And I was like, what's going on? Like, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So for me, it was very much like, I'm not sure what this is, but... I wanted, you know, I've always been, from very, very little, I've always been up for trying new things. So I pretty much put myself in the deep end and sort of learned on the go, learned the rules on the go, and I loved it. I honestly can vividly remember just from that initial game that we played just how much I enjoyed it. I loved everything about it. I loved the athleticism. I loved how fast the game was. I loved that you can jump on people's back to get the ball, like all those things. From, it was honestly like love at first sight. I loved it so much. And then I guess the rest is history in the terms of like I just kept on playing at school and got better. Yeah, that was pro- that was my initial thing, but it was very it was very much I had no idea what the sport was. But I love that it was love at first play or whatever. I guess that's cool. No, I love it. I I love it because like being English, I played soccer from the moment that I could walk really. Um, and it, I love, I love the sport and my, my family like love it. So that was sort of a love through them, but this was the first love where I, I chose it, if that makes sense. Like I felt like that sport was my thing and I fell in love with the game for no other reason than the pure love for the sport. Um, you know, not having anyone involved in it, no like family ties, friend ties, none of that. It was genuinely just, I loved playing the game and, I think that's probably why I still enjoy it now. Yeah, you found it yourself. Yeah. And then so what do you love so much about being part of the AFLW? What you know, part of this league? Lots of things. Um for a start, it's it's in its infancy. So there's so much emotion that is around the game in terms of the amount of years put into getting it to this point. Um like the community surrounded by it is so strong and so close yeah you just feel like you're just part of something bigger and then not to mention the sport itself like I, I love I love football and what it brings and and what it means to Australia the Australian people um to have its own code and especially where I live in Melbourne it's it's so so big here and it's almost religion here that you just feel like you're just a part of something so big and thriving and, and AFLW is is growing so quickly. I think it's like the fastest growing sport at the moment 
if not, you know, in the top five. And there's just a lot of attraction and um, it just feels like a whirlwind, really. <laughs> I read um, in a past interview that you've done where you described AFLW as the benchmark when it comes to inclusivity as well. And I wondered if you could tell me a bit about that and, you know, what you meant by that and why you think that is. Yeah, I just feel like, I feel like because we, the sport sort of, it's only six years old. I think we've been lucky that we've not had this history behind us sort of weighing us down. We've been able to come out the gates, I suppose, how we as players wanted it to be. And I remember before AFLW became the league, before that, the people that were playing in their local leagues were always so friendly and open and and it was always so inclusive of you know your background like where you where you're from you know gender sex you know um, relationships just I just have always felt comfortable in in that community and then to be able to translate that to a professional level I can credit all those women that were a part of that first year in making it so inclusive from the beginning to you know those women being so proud of who they were right from the beginning. And it's a lot of pressure coming, like coming into a platform where there's a lot of eyes on you. And I feel like a lot, a lot of those women just, they came out straight from the gate going, this is who I am and I'm proud to be who I am. And and I think that's translated into the game and the AFL have been so supportive in that. Um, So I think that's why it's happened but the reason why I think it is the most inclusive, um, I just feel like we're the most, I guess, proud. We're loud about it. We're very proud of who we are. We're proud to say that we we want everyone and anyone to love the game, to come to the games and watch, and we're loud about it. So, yeah, I, I, I only hope that every sport in Australia gets to that level because the world would be a better place. Yeah, that everyone can feel comfortable being themselves and unapologetically so yeah and I'd love to know I imagine there are lots but if you could pinpoint one your proudest or most memorable moment of your career so far and why do you know what like there's there's been lots of great memories and I'm so I'm so thankful for the things that I've gotten to do during my career but I would I honestly think there has nothing that has topped me playing my first ever game my first ever professional game because there's just so much emotion behind that. And at the time when I first started playing, I never dreamt of playing at the highest level. You know, a women's league didn't even exist then. Women playing wasn't a, it wasn't a huge thing then. So that first game, you know, was just, yeah, the most proud moment, not just for myself, but the, for the whole country and for the whole league. And I, I'll never forget it. It's it's I don't think I'll ever be able to top it. And someone asked me the other day actually if I won a premiership, would that be my greatest greatest achievement? But I genuinely do not think there's anything bigger than being a part of that history. You know, you're a part of the the first ever. No one can take that away from you, regardless of, you know, on field score or whatever. So um yeah, that game for sure. Do you remember what emotions were going through you walking out on about to play the game? I was so excited. I was so nervous. Like I was nervous because it was a first. Like it was the first time that we were going to have cameras everywhere. 
you know, that for a start is is very different and strange. And I remember the night because it was terrible weather. It was lightning actually. So the game got put on hold for an extended break at half time. And um I was lucky enough to to come away with the win first up. But yeah, before that, it was just so much excitement. And I feel like a sense of no matter what happened, it was a win sort of thing. Like no matter the result on the ground, because like I said, it's it's been such a it was such a build up to get to that point. It was just, yeah, the emotions were just very, very high. Do you still get the same or similar kind of emotions when you play now? Or does that has that settled over time, if that makes sense? I do personally. I, I every time I go out there, I have the best time, and I know as a competitor, like people get strange with you know wins, losses, and like all that stuff. But for me, going back to why I got involved in the game, my like why I play is because I actually love playing the actual game, and I'm a competitor. Don't get me wrong, like I I am I'm, I'm so competitive, but every time I go out there, it's just an absolute privilege to get, to be able to go out there and you get to play, you, you know, a sport that you love and, you know, for a job, like that's amazing. You can't, you can't beat that. So as much as I have to be serious and, you know, I have to be competitive every single game for me, I get so excited to be a part of, and I don't take it for granted at all. And I guess, you know, athletes can go through a lot of challenges too. You know, there's, injury sometimes the highs and lows I guess of sport itself and I'd love to know what strategies you use to kind of I guess cultivate resilience and your own mental well-being you know what do you do to look after yourself from a mindset perspective coming into the the league at um, I was 18 just turning 19 I felt like at the time I had to give up almost my soul to the game and I gave so much of my attention you know, my whole life was football. And I think the first couple of years, it came to a detriment to my mental health. And it's interesting, because to some people, they would say, you know, they were some of my best years in my career, but I was probably, probably the least happy out of all the years that I was playing. And that's because I, like I said before, like, I felt like I almost sold my soul. So I think in terms of protecting your mental health, setting boundaries is so important like knowing that as much as it is it is so exciting to be a part of the league it is still it's a part of you it doesn't you're not that you're not a footballer you're someone who plays football I think having that cut and tie and knowing that you are an individual separately helps with protecting your mental health because you're in the public eye, you're going to get critique. You're getting critique from your coaches, critique from your family, critique from, you know, someone that has no idea about anything but watches the game here or there. Um, You've got your internal pressures. There's all this stuff that goes on in your mind whilst, you know, trying to be the best you possibly can be. I think in terms of protecting that mental health, you've just got to set healthy boundaries with yourself. For me, at the start of my career, I used to look at all the journalism and got so excited and rode the highs real high and rode the lows real low. And now it's sort of, I'm just a bit like in between and I don't pay attention to any journalism or any feedback, like none of it. Like the only stuff I'll listen to now from my direct coaching group. And that's because they have the context behind it. Whereas I don't, 
as much as people think that I read about read that stuff, I actually don't read any of it now. Um, and I'm so thankful that I made that decision because oh, I feel so much, so much more myself and so much more stronger mentally. I think um, that idea of boundaries is something that we've all been talking about so much, I guess, especially over the past couple of years with the pandemic and finding that balance between, you know, for example, people working from home and having their home and work lives completely just meld into the same kind of thing. And the idea of setting boundaries can be so important no matter what your career is, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's when things start to blur the lines, like you said, you don't, you don't know where it stops and, you know, it finishes and and ends really. And it can get so easily just caught up in it. And when I first started out in the, in the league, I I moved to the other side of the country to a place called Brisbane. So I, I literally moved up and rooted my whole life to go and play football. And I think that's probably a reason as to why I found it difficult to almost detach from what I was doing because my pure reason for being there was playing. So I felt like my identity, my full identity was around this. So I think just, yeah, setting in healthy boundaries of like now there's like a rule like I come home, I'll talk about the game or training for a certain amount of time and then it's like it's done, like get it over and done with and then I have family time or whatever. I can't let it consume myself like the rest of my week and, and days and, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard though. It is hard. It's easier said than done. And then tell me a little bit about the physical exercise side of things. Like I'd love to know if there is such a thing, what a typical week of workouts looks like for you. And I guess thinking about footy training, but also anything else you do around or outside of that. I think this time of the year when I'm in season, it's pretty strict and regimented because we're in season playing games. So at the moment, it we it looks like two main sessions, field sessions, where we'll be on the field doing training drills two gym sessions that help with strength and then would have almost a top-up session just the day or two before a game um, just to get the legs going. So that's normally what it would look like typically this time of the year. In pre-season, it's a hell of a lot more. (laughs) In pre-season, it's normally a lot, a lot of running, um, normally four times a week and then two major gym sessions. Um, But in the off-season I'm open to all and any sort of workouts and sports. I love to try and do pretty much everything and anything other than football because I think you can learn from other sports. I think you can learn from other things and it's just nice to keep things fresh. Like this last off season, I really got into running. Um, I ran my first marathon, which I was so excited about. I never really, it's so strange for someone who's a sporting person. I never really liked running. (laughs) like running without the ball. <laughs> so this last off season, I really put my time into long endurance running and I really enjoyed that. So that was sort of what I was doing this off season. I do all sorts of I'll pick up Pilates, boxing, swimming. Honestly, I, I love all sports um, and I'm willing to give everything and anything a go. So for me, I'll, I'll do anything in the off season. Do you watch a lot of sport as well? Yeah, I love it. I love it. But I'm not I'm not the type of person where I'm like I'm going to stop all my plans to watch a specific game. <laughs> like I'm not that like I love sports and I have my teams and stuff, but like 
if I have something I want to do, I'm not going to just not do it because the game's on. Like, I'll just come back. I'll just come back and watch that later. But, yeah, I, I've, I, I've always been a sporting person and, uh, yeah, I'm always going to love it. And then I guess that we're realising more and more about the role of recovery, I guess, and that that can play in fitness. And I guess what you do after a workout is as important as the workout itself. And I'd love to know what are your go-tos, I guess, when it comes to helping your body recover from your workouts and your exercise. I'd say number one, it's sleeping. Um, Lots of people, they put energy into so many other recovery techniques but fail to sleep enough. Um, and that is number one. So for me, if, if all else fails and I'm, I'm super busy, I just need to make sure I'm getting enough sleep. And if that means getting in naps and I'll, I'll get in naps. So that's one. The other one that I'll, I'll often do is I'll swim. I love swimming. I used to swim when I was really young and I still do now. I'll go to the beach or I'll go to the pools, um, just to get the body moving. And sometimes I like to do it before a game, like a day or two before the game too, um, just to loosen up. There's also, I mean, there's all sorts of stuff in terms of football um, that you can do for recovery. Like we have massage. We, we're lucky enough to have massage. We have, you know, foam rolling and compression boots, all, all sorts, you name it. Um, but I would say my, my go-tos are definitely sleep, number one, and number two, it'd be, it'd be swimming as well. I love swimming. I was actually interviewing a sleep expert for this podcast um, quite recently, and she said that sleep is just, there's no part of your health, well-being, performance that really can't benefit from sleep and like prioritizing or focusing on your sleep. And it's obviously something we often put as a bit of a back burner, but she's like, if you prioritize that, that is a game changer for just everything. It's not even the amount of time that you sleep, it's more just the quality of sleep. And that's something that we talk about in in football a lot is we manage they manage our sort of how we're feeling every single day we we have to write it down like a diary almost and they talk about you know quiet times before you're about to go to sleep and that first period of um in the morning too whilst you're waking up um waking up to natural noises and things like that because it's so important to just to to get into that proper sleep cycle because if you keep yourself up with, you know, all sorts of TV and your phone and stuff, it's actually a real struggle to get into a really good sleep. So, yeah, no phones in the bedroom in this house. <laughs> no phones, just good books. And <laughs> You've got a really big few months coming up as well in your personal life. And um, you and your wife, Lily, getting ready to welcome your first baby in July, I think it is. And, you know, how are you all doing? Honestly, I'm fine. <laughs> no, we're really, really, really excited. Um, and Lil, she's she's been a trooper. Her first trimester, she was extremely unwell. Um, yeah, having nausea most minutes of the day for the whole first trimester. So she's been really good. She's finally out of that now, which is which is nice. We're at the halfway mark. And, um, yeah, baby's looking, she's, she's super healthy and, you know, everything that you can ask for and wish for, um, as a parent, just that they're healthy. So yeah, we're super excited. Soon we'll have to, um, start getting the nursery ready and yeah, it's such a blessing. We've, this has been a journey for us and we've, we've been wanting this for a while. So it's so exciting. 
I love the, um, I know uh, the, your teammates, you did a really fun unveil for them, kind of unveiling a box with the baby grow inside. And I saw it on Instagram and it was the cutest thing. And I've so got anytime there's anything like that, I always find myself getting really teary. It's funny, isn't it? But it's just, and it was the cutest thing. And that must have been really lovely to be able to share that with your teammates in such a fun way. Yeah, I think it is too, because they know the process that we've been through and I think that's probably one benefit of being in such a, a close group and, and a team environment is they really do know you and they know what you're going through at the time. And I think that's probably why I lean on them more than, I guess, people in the outside world because they don't really know what we deal with every single day. And it's just so nice that they, you know, they knew the process that we're going through. They knew the hiccups that we had and to be able to share that news, they were so excited for me and, um, you know, that's another part, that's another member of the family like that, you know, she's going to, when she's old enough, you know, to be around in the rooms and she's going to have 32 aunties around and um, yeah, so it was really nice to be able to share that news with them because that, you know, I spend most of my time with them and during this time of the year, I probably spend more time with them than my, like my family. So they are my second family. So it was really nice to, to have that moment with them. And obviously, you know, that's the, such an exciting thing coming up for you. And But I wondered if there was anything else, you know, whether it's personally or professionally that you could tell me about that's on your bucket list, so to speak, or your goals list. You know, what do you kind of look ahead and think, oh, I'd love to, I'd love to do? Honestly, it's been a crazy few years. Um, so for me, I've, we're, in, we're in the thick of it in terms of my season. I've got two more home games and then we go into finals. So in terms of football, um, it's always the same goal is, you know, to get to the end and, and win the whole thing. And, and our team is, is very much driven to do that. So that's definitely one of the goals. Um, honestly, my focus has been so much on like, like the baby that I've not, I've not even really thought, I always have long-term goals, like long-term, but if we're talking about like in the next year, I haven't really nailed one down other than just to make sure I'm a good parent and I'm around <laughs> and I'm ready to do and take that on. But yeah, I, I wouldn't say any short term goals just yet. Once I'm out of the season, I'll definitely nail a few. But the last year that just went um, a marathon was was th that for me. I was. Um, I remember you did a Q&A for us a little while ago for the magazine and you spoke about one day wanting to climb Mount Kosciuszko. Is that still something on your bucket list? Or? Yes, I. that's definitely something I want. To be honest, I would love to do like a few of them. I'd love to do Everest eventually as well. Yeah, I just, I've always, I've always wanted to, to challenge myself and push myself and um, th those things just really excite me and doing something different and yeah, it's definitely, definitely in the future. I will, I will do that. I'll definitely do Kosciuszko. I'm not sure about Everest. That depends on the money situation, but um, I'd love to. You said that idea of um, being out of your comfort zone. And I think that's really interesting because I know, you know, and I'm guilty of it to change and stepping outside of what is comfortable is can be really scary sometimes. And I wondered what your advice is in that sense. You know, is it like you were saying, looking back and thinking, well, look at the rewards it's given me and drawing on that experience that it can go okay? It's actually, this is something that my mum has said to me and she said it to me when I was really young and it's always stuck with me is if all doesn't pan out, you can always come home in the sense that you can try something new and the worst case, it doesn't work out, but you'll probably still get something from it. 
it's you know it's still a win and I feel like with some people that are unwilling to take that risk because they're scared of failure but failure is not a bad thing you know like definitely the wins are great and if it all works out in 100% like amazing it was the best decision but if it doesn't it also changes you. You also know that that definitely wasn't for you. Um, but, you know, it, it doesn't end there. And I, I, I always try to encourage people, you know, to try something new. It doesn't have to be dramatic and massive. I think people, when they think of something new, they think like they've got to climb Everest. It doesn't have to be that extreme. It can be something really, really, you know, something simple like, you're not the type of person to go out and go for walks. Okay, let's just try and go for a walk today and then maybe go tomorrow. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't have to be something so big. It just have to, you know, just try some things that are new. And if you don't like it, you don't like it. Great, you know that you don't like it. And if you love it, amazing, it might change your life. So, yeah, I think that I've always tried to have that focus and that lens on on what I do and I hope that more people try to go to different things because it, it does change your life. I'd love to know what being a role model means to you um, and what are you passionate, I guess, about advocating for? For me personally, being a role model is enormous um, and I do take that role on and I know that not everyone loves to or or um, is it comfortable to but for me I just know how important it was to have role models to get me to where I am now and knowing that impact and how much it, just how integral it was in building me up to be who I am now I just know that if I can have that small impact on one person to get them to be who they want to be that's so important because people are watching no matter what, even if I want to take that role on or not. Um, so that's super, super important to me. Um, and I, not in the sense of I'm perfect, look at me. It's not that at all because I'm not perfect and I make, I do make mistakes, but it's more I want to be myself 100% and hopefully in turn people can then feel like they can be who they want to be. That's what I mean by role model is I just want to be myself um, unapologetically and hope that people can see that and respond to that in a way that goes, oh, I can be who I want to be too. So that's the way that I can articulate how I feel about, about the, being a role model. Thinking about, um, you were saying, like, even if you could just have an impact on one person, you know, that would all be worth it. Thinking about encounters you have with maybe young fans or people who watch the game or know who you are, you know, has there ever been one in particular that's really stuck with you or resonated with you and made you think, yeah, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing? Yeah, there is actually. And, and to be fair, I do remember most people that I have proper conversations with. Um, but this particular young girl, I still have a part of my life. Like that's how connected I felt to this one individual. I remember it was round three when I used to play for Richmond and she came up to me after the game in full full kit, like supporter kit, um, and she had long braids like mine. I just remember her speaking to me and telling me about her story and being a refugee and, and, and migrating over to Australia 
and just the journey that she's been on and that her family that um, she was brought into loving football and that's her connection to football and then she saw me and saw herself in me and that's why she started to follow football and it resonated to me because when I was that young girl I had that same I guess same connection to when I saw Serena and Venus Williams out there playing tennis like I saw them and thought I see me and I can do that uh, that representation and being a, being able to see yourself in that situation is so powerful. And when I heard that story and, and when she said that to me, I just thought straight away, like, if I could have had those moments with my heroes, I would have, oh, it would have been amazing. So I have kept in contact with her and her family ever since, you know, gotten involved in little bits and supported her football journey and in whatever way I can and just like just being there just you know whatever questions she may have because I would have killed for that for that opportunity to to have that with with my heroes when I was young because when you're that age that stuff means so much to you so and I'll continue to be there and I'll watch her grow and she might not want to play football forever but if she does then I'm I'm her number one fan and I'll be there for sure. I'd love to know what your hope is, I guess, for the future of women in sport. What would you love to see? I just, I would love to see what can be achieved with the athletes being full time, I think. Because the reason why I say that is because my peers are doing such amazing things whilst juggling so many other amazing things. I just think if you're doing that now, I would just love to see what you're doing when you've got more energy to put behind it and you can you know put more into your body and recovery and you can give more um to the game so I think full time would be something I'd love to see and who knows it might be in my career span or not but I can't wait for that time um whether I'm playing in it or not I can't wait to watch it I just know that it's going to be amazing and then just very lastly I'd love to know if you could leave us just on one note you know what would maybe is there a life motto or a great piece of advice that you always keep in mind that you'd love to kind of share with people one is do things that make you smile more in the sense of if it makes you happy do do it more and try and do more of those things and then on the flip side knowing that you might not have tomorrow make sure that you've lived so doing things for yourself and not for everyone else, all the noise and make sure that you're actually living for yourself because at the end of the day, when you're on that rocking chair and you're sitting on that balcony or whatever it is, make sure you feel like you don't have any regrets about it. Thank you, Sabrina and Alex, for that great chat. This episode of Uninterrupted was hosted by Alex Davies and produced by me, Lisa Gebelagen, with additional sound editing by Abby Williams. If you'd love more from us, find a copy of the latest issue of Women's Health Australia with Jess Fox on the cover in stores or online via Zinio and Apple News Plus or visit us at womenshealth.com.au. Thank you and see you next time.